hey, this is a comedy podcast. Why don't we start with a classic comedy warm up? Uh, the the CDC says um, uh, that uh, things are cringe AF. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the base now, CDC now, is telling us that go. Omicron is cringe. Yeah. Uh, the CDC says that uh, Delta variant is chuggy. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I'm working at the CDC, and I'm a I'm a I'm a, a professional clown, and I uh, need to put more clowns in my CDC car. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, the, the CDC oh, yeah. says President Trump. Let's fucking go. Yeah, they said the best the best way to treat uh, COVID is a little bit of kofefe. Oh shit! The CDC says the C stands for kofefe, and then the other C also stands for kofefe. Kofefe, yeah, damn kofefe. That's that's the CDC, baby. I want to die. Why didn't COVID kill me? Um, cause you got bad luck, baby. I have, I have shit luck and I survived for this. Man, imagine how hard SNL would pop for a sketch where, uh, you know, people are complaining about the CDC and, and Fauci shows up and gets out of his car and then a bunch of clowns also get out of his car. It's Fauci and then it's Robert De Niro, <laughs> Ben Stiller, each five minutes standing applause break. Uh, yeah. And now we got Jim Carrey, but Jim Carrey is playing Nancy Reagan. <laughs> that sounds like the clown department of clowns. Neck. Yeah, he's back. He's back in a big way. He's like, okay, we give him a second chance. Yeah, doesn't he? He hates vaccines, though, and that's no good for... Wait, Jim, does Jim Carrey hate vaccines? He's married to Jenny McCarthy, and she doesn't like them. And I feel like he also doesn't like them. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. He also likes to draw paintings of a bus getting shot with a missile. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that's cool. I don't know. And he's in Sonic, and Sonic is just an anti-vax set. Yeah, Sonic. Sonic is a no vaccine set. <laughs> Sonic is. It, Sonic is uh, under the theory that if you m- just keep moving fast enough, you can't catch it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why Ben Schwartz uh, records all of his audio offsite because he is vaccinated. Dude, that guy's so but funny too. W- Everyone's so funny these days. Everyone rocks. Oh my god. Yeah, everyone's funny and they rock. Um, speaking of people who are funny and rock, Forrest is here. Wow. Hey, Forrest. Hi, how's it going? I could tell that Forrest was politely waiting to be introduced. Huge mistake. Because um, only one of us remembers to do it. <laughs> and it's not, not not that only one of us is capable of remembering. Just that on any given episode, only one of us will remember and the other one will forget. That's true. And, you know, guys, this is an extra special episode because we just didn't record one last week, which makes this one more special. Yeah. Um, I I had COVID last week. I, I, I you know, which I, I thought was would be a gamer's holiday, but I, I felt so shitty. I, I didn't even play that much video games. Yeah. yeah. I can't confirm. Griffin had like had like real COVID. Griffin didn't have like this like Omicron like. I have an itchy throat and sometimes I cough COVID that I've been hearing about. Griffin had like terminally fucking rocked for a week COVID. Mm -hmm. That sounds pretty unpleasant. Uh, I hope that your lungs, is that the the problem? The lungs? I hope those are doing good now. Though the lungs are fine because I I smoke a a healthy amount of cigarettes, (laughs) three packs a day. And, And so the thing is, is like, 
your body can only handle so many problems at once. So if your body's already juggling issues, you it really can't it can't throw another beanbag into the cycle, uh, right? It just, right. Like, it just like drops a problem. Yeah, it just <laughs> drops a problem. <laughs> it's the it's the Mr. Burns thing where like there's so many germs that they've clogged the door. And so he has so many illnesses that none of them can get through and actually affect anything. Yes. I have a Hodor in my lungs think, of nicotine. Man, I saw I saw an incredible meme speaking of uh, smoking protecting you from COVID. Mm-hmm. That was like it was a picture of the droids in episode one marching towards the shields. Sure. And it said oh, and yeah. it said like it said like this. years years worth of resin and then like it was as the shields and COVID. And the first comment was someone being like they just walk through the shields. <laughs> that is what because the robots they, do. They yeah. are bl- they're blaster shields. They don't stop the droid. The droids just walk right on through there. Yeah, the slow droid penetrates the shield. Yeah, that never, that, never, that really did shock me as a kid that they just kind of walls right through those things. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things where in a movie that's 90% exposi- exposition, exposition gets super lost because there's definitely a part of that movie where they're like, these are blaster shields. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, whatever, okay. And the droids walk through them and everyone's like, wait a second, aren't those shields? And it's like, well, they're not that kind. But like also they spend 20 minutes explaining like an embargo. So like no one was paying attention to anything <laughs> at that point. So. Uh, but but that embargo was, uh, you know, the precursor to um, – you know, lots of embargoes in the gaming industry. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, I had a really bad, bad time with it. And I'm sorry, listeners, or maybe just listener now might just be one of you. Um, but it's it's good to be back and to get this one right under the wire. We're, we're, we're recording this in the middle of Times Square, we're right <laughs> below the ball. And, and I'm so happy to have Forrest and, and then Lux and potentially even a random fourth guest, I don't know, um, to really ring in this final, this final review of 2021. Was it a good gaming year? Was it a bad gaming year? And, and everything that comes together with that. Um, and so, you know, I wanna ask our guests right off the top, what kind of gaming year was this? Oh boy, uh, this was a heavy gaming year for me, because uh, as so this for me this was the year of the PS5. I got a PS5 pretty early in this year in January, uh-huh. and then uh, really just tried to use it to the fullest throughout the the the, the rest of the year. So it's been a lot of games. Uh, they've all been running very smooth, which has been nice. A lot of them have been a lot of fun. Some of them have been less fun, but that's fine. Uh, and I really just kind of hunkered down and sat down with a lot of a lot of Vidya games. Uh, I believe this is also the year when I played a absolute shitload of uh, BattleTech, the, uh, the the game on Steam, which was good too. That was my big non PS5 uh, playing experience, which was one of the best ones. But PS5, you found a way to make PS5 central to your to your gaming experience. Something that I failed at. I mean, and I think that PlayStation failed at. So maybe PS5 is where we start. Like, you know, this was the year that PS5 was supposed to make something happen. And then nothing really happened in in terms of really, really big exclusive releases. There were games that were advertised as PS5 exclusives in the fall and winter that then came out on multiple platforms in the spring of 2021. Um, I mean, it really just seemed like a year where there was not a real reason to buy a PS5. All of the games that you and Lux enjoyed are definitely still PS4 games, right? Like how many of those were PS5 exclusives? Uh, Really just Ratchet and Clank for me, I guess. Right. 
Yeah. And like Returnal. I don't know if it was actually exclusive. But um, Returnal was exclusive. Uh, and Ratchet and Clank was a pretty good Funko Pop game. But here's the thing about this. And this is something that actually really occurred to me most strongly literally last night. I guess it was technically this morning. Because um, Forrest and I are playing Earth Defense Force 5. Um, a game that we should all play on stream together more often than we do, which is none. Um, but we should do it more than that. Uh, and Earth Defense Force 5, Pass. for those of you who don't know, uh, is a big... You, you're you a guy with a gun and you shoot a bunch of aliens. But the aliens yeah. are just giant ants for the most part. Yeah, um, you're, you're the guys who get stomped on by Godzilla. But in this case, you're playing as them when they're not getting stomped on by Godzilla. You're fighting off aliens. And instead ants. Yeah. are shooting Godzilla with a gun. Um, But what happens is in that game, it will flood literally hundreds of these giant ants into the frame at once. And on the PS4... It would run okay, but like anytime there was a huge swarm, it would start getting glitchy and, and stuttery and have a hard time running everything out. On the PS5, like you could have hundreds of ants, and even like the ants way in the back would still be wow. moving with their full frame rates and shit. The ant density was just another another level. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's not, not just ant density, but I realize this applies to like basically every game that I've played is that like all the little it things. It runs better. Yeah. It just runs so much better in this way that makes every game. Yeah feel and they, substantially more immersive and fun and they load right. way faster the insanely faster and loading load is actually faster. a big deal like and we'll get to that when we get to final fantasy uh it is actually a pretty big deal for final fantasy that the ps5 performs at a much better uh rate of speed oh yeah. shit you're pl- you're playing it on the ps5 yeah baby I had no idea. Wow. I'm sure that's really important for the. Yeah. Okay. So there was some sort of minor technical upgrades, but, you know, for a system that literally people were shooting each other in the streets for this year, (laughs) there really wasn't that main, like, sort of like triple A premier title. I mean, I think we tried to convince ourselves that it Ration and Clank was that. But by the end of that game, it it was a little lacking for me um, and definitely not something that I, I, I'd be like, you got to check out Rift Apart. Like it was it was pretty. It was like a nice piece of candy, but certainly not a call to action to buy the PS5. Yeah, I think the thing with the PS5 is that we thought this would be the year where we got to get up and stand on the roof and go, you got to get a PS5. You got to experience all of these thrilling games on the PS5 and their new amazing oeuvre, which is not what happened. What did happen is that having a PS5 fucking rules. Um, And those are two separate things, right? That like. You're right that there was no sort of Sermon on the Mount, Scream from the Mountaintop, like, game you have to get a PS5 to play. But if you were one of the people who's lucky enough to get his PS5, chats out to Forrest for getting mine and also all of our friends's, um, then, like, you had this system that was really fun to play on, had some fun games, and every game you already owned played a lot better on it. Um, and you had the fun haptic feedback. So, like, it's a weird thing where it definitely didn't do anything that made it urgent to get one, but having one was very cool and good. Yeah. Um, and both those things are true at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with that. But my experience is a little, is I think a little different for me also to some degree because I am just like not a exclusive gamer at all. Like I just don't care about exclusive titles. I never have. Uh, yeah. And for me, it's, it really is like gaming is about like the immediate experience of the gaming itself. Right. So like having a better frame rate, having like, 
be able to run things at 4K uh, more consistently instead of 1080, being able to have uh, like faster load times and better processing and frame rates. That stuff actually really does matter for me. And so to me, the PS5 was a kind of revelation because it was a much bigger upgrade technically than like three to four, in my opinion. Like the the, mm-hmm. the difference in performance is immediately apparent. So while I don't, mm-hmm. while like I'm not, I don't really care about having exclusives because all the good games are basically on everything anyway. It's been such a big deal to be able to like play stuff in a way which is so much, it's so much less of a barrier to entry to like actually playing the video games. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's giant for me. Uh, I think it was well worth it. Good bus. I just think of it as like it's basically you're buying like a twelve hundred dollar gaming rig for five hundred dollars, and that's pretty dang good to me. So uh, it sold really well. It sold at like it got to its big numbers faster than the PS4 did slightly. So it's selling very Mm -hmm. well despite the fact that they just literally cannot crank enough of these things out right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess for me though, just you know, as someone who has the PC who can play most most games here. What I want the PS5 for is to sit down in front of my giant 4K TV, play an exclusive new game that's at 4K with the DualSense features. And there was very few opportunities to do that this year. Um, So for me personally, I I was disappointed. Um, But, uh, you know, moving outside of PlayStation 5 for a second, I'm sure we'll we'll have more to say about it as as we go on through the year. the start of this year was a little barren with games, um, like so barren that there isn't a whole lot to talk about in the first month of games. But there was a big thing that happened in gamer culture at the beginning of this year. And of course, I'm talking about GameStop, the steal, the GameStop stocks bursting through the roofs and everything that came with that. Yeah, I mean, it It was it's an, it, this was an interesting year. I think it's a good way to segue into one of the more interesting things about this year, because like I think when we're going to talk about gaming for us this year, it's not going to be as centric about games that came out this year for the reasons you're talking about. Like the biggest games you all played were like FF14 and Battletech. I don't think they came out like the base game for FF14 definitely didn't come out this year. Just no, the last no. just just end Walker. And then I think Battletech is 20 was proceeds this year as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like for me, it's all of my weird JRPG playthroughs, like replays and and journeys and stuff. And so games that came out this year aren't as central. But what is really central and weird about this year is there were a lot of ways that gaming intersected with like large scale macroeconomics or like metacultural issues in a way that it doesn't usually. Because usually the way the degree to which gaming inter- intersects with these things yeah. is someone being like, usually the, the degree this happens is someone being like. Oh, there was a school shooting. This kid played too much Halo or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But this year it was a lot more like gamers as an investment, as like an investment unit (laughs) fucked up the stock market for two months. And like uh, NFTs (laughs) is video games now. Uh, It feels like a million years ago. Yeah. But like, uh, I mean, it all started with that Wall Street's bets uh, Reddit. Um, which I don't even know if is fully active anymore. Um, but yeah, they just all decided to buy a bunch of GameStop stock, I guess. Um, and, you know, it, it, I think it was showed more than anything like that. You know, when there's like a get rich quick thing, that's like what everyone 
cares about on the internet now. And that's essentially well, no, what NFTs are, is like yeah. just like extensions of that scheme or, or this like this sort of like this emotion of this new life of scheming and finding the internet hijink that will make you rich. And that just happened to be GameStop. Um, it could have really been any company. Um, well, a very funny thing with the logistics of why it was GameStop is that Basically, what happened is GameStop hired the guy from Chewy.com, everyone's favorite pet e-commerce supplier, yeah, to run Archer their loves Chewy. To, to run their like e-commerce thing, and that created a small bump in their stock. And all of these various investment firms were like, "Oh, this is a small fake bump. We'll play this. We'll play to short this stock so that when it falls, we'll make a bunch of money." By like using the stock as sort of placeholder money for other stuff and invest in real investment opportunities by trading the stock to those people. And then when it drops, we'll have only lost a little bit of money. We'll make a bunch of money back on the trades. Um, but when they did that, that also pushed the value up a little bit. And that's when Wall Street Bets was like, hold on a second. <laughs> These Wall Street guys are putting money into are like creating a short on GameStop. What if we just don't let them short it by all investing in it? Yeah, right. And then the classic did, short they were doing something. They noticed something that happens with all sorts of companies. It still wasn't like it didn't matter oh. that it was a video game company. Like there wasn't yeah. anything yeah. specific about that. Yeah, they were just point. paying attention to it I because think, it was a video game company. Yeah, except yeah. for yeah, except for how memeable and, and attendable it was. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that it's it's spread did it, it spread as a cultural thing did have to do with it being. GameStop because this happens a lot of the time, but it doesn't happen with like small penny Robinhood investors because they don't think it. They don't invest in the kind of firms where this sort of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it was GameStop and all these weird Discord nerds suddenly were like, <laughs> "I know what that is and I love it." That's where I get my Funko Pops. Like it, it went super viral and then got super boosted to a degree that like, like doesn't happen with this like dynamic. Like the, the whole point of shorting these stocks, right, is that like this stuff doesn't happen, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it did because a bunch of like weird nerds were like, "We I, love GameStop. It's where I get my Funkos." I have I have some takes about this too. Uh, so we're getting ready for some takes. Takes incoming. Uh, there are two I think like not really related, but like there's like a fork tail on this. One of which is that like it really illustrates that everything is a grift. Like the stock market is kind of already a grift. NFTs are a grift. This is a grift. The whole thing's a grift. Like anybody saying like. You know, a lot of people say about all these like the game stonks thing and like NFTs like, well, you know, it's not like anything else doesn't operate this way. And it's like, yeah, it does all operate this way. And that's actually insanely bad. But, uh, you know, we live in the grift economy, I guess. Uh, fuck us or whatever. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's a result of like there not really being any more juice left in the rind mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. we've that There is no like we haven't found any new way to like extract value from labor and we've divvied out most of the labor outside of our country now. So all we have left are these like digital grifts. Yeah. yeah and, and yeah, it's like, how else would you make any money in this world? Yeah, at this point? Yeah. We got to colonize a new area. So we're now colonizing digital world. Uh, the other thing is that so much of this is because and here's something it's a, this to me is also sort of grim, if not just weird, which is that the millennials are starting to have the cultural and economic like cachet in this economy because the the olds are all dying and the millennials are becoming the olds. So gamers are just going to be in charge of everything increasingly over time. And this shit where Mm -hmm. like gaming is just like 
it's just stuff is about gaming. Why? I don't know, because the people who run things like gaming, I guess. So, right. <laughs> yeah. But the, but, 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 but like because they're the older millennials, like at first, the only mm-hmm. things that will be accepted are like really basic, like like COD multiplayer. <laughs> like no one's going to know how to like slide cancel or rotate or do any any of those yeah. higher level things for an, like another 10 years of government. But, you know, we're going to see yeah. like, yeah, el- elder gamers in there first. Yeah. We're just like, oh, like, you know, everybody remembers Farmville. And it's like, yeah, I guess. I guess we did. I, I guess we did remember Farmville. Okay, Man, Grandpa. I can't wait. I feel like there's got to be a year coming where like 40 to 80 of the old people in charge all just eat it. Like they're all so old. It just has to be one year where like it's just like critical ones across the board. And like, yeah, the entire awesome. Senate just like gets uh, like, like just like snake death. eyes rolls on every roll. Yeah, everyone does their death check and fails. And just like 60 senators die of like mega herpes or whatever. Uh, the, the, several senators are walking down some stairs and one of them trips and grabs at the other ones. And then like eight 80 year old senators all just like crumble in a pile of bones and blood at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Fucking they're just walking out of the Livingston building in an anvil falls. <laughs> yeah, they're going outside the Livingston building and a random encounter with a brisk wind appears. And the brisk wind does just like a, like a passive move that buffs itself and they all die. Diane Feinstein falls out of a window onto Joe Biden, crashing both of them. She, you, know, you know that like, honestly, I, I, I like, you know, I think tired take is to hate her wired take is is to love her because she's clearly planning some like amazing final death moment <laughs> like right like she's just like she's twirling on the precipice uh and that's she's kind of like fun. a it's like when we watch final destination there's the part with the balance beam and Allie was like this isn't real that's not real it can't be real this isn't happening that's not real that's like how diane feinstein's final moment is gonna go she's gonna die in some way that defies our understanding of possibility she, like diane feinstein makes death like like really um, soul searchy because he's like, how do I kill this lady? <laughs> I do something it's great impossible. for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, her and Kissinger are definitely the two like most like sacrificed a living person to live longer <laughs> people in government I think I really love this yeah. idea that like they have third act problems like it's been built up for so long they've been living for so long that we have to do something big for the finale but we just can't figure out what's going to satisfy everybody yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough like if Henry Kissinger like has bones left when he dies <laughs> and will be insufficient like the only mm-hmm. way that it feels okay for him to die is uh, it, it's like that birthday boy sketch where they got or they're at the funeral because the guy farted a skeleton out of his like farted out his whole skeleton and then flew his skin flew away like a balloon. <laughs> yeah, um, that's like the only acceptable way for Kissinger to die. I feel like I, I feel like it's really sad to see like the your your like your average like anime Marxist be like when's Kissinger? It's like dude, that dude won. He's like a 3000 years old and like he he's he won. Like it doesn't matter when he dies now. Like there's not like a victory in that. Um yeah, that's Yeah, I mean there's no win there, but like it would still be cool if he's dead. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but it's like he's essentially already dead. Like what's the <laughs> like like he stopped doing any amount of like his harm capabilities ended like what? 20 years ago? <laughs> 
when he when, yeah. when he had I his mean, like last bone. Henry Kissinger is listening to this podcast in his lair, being like, "Oh, have my harm capabilities <laughs> ended?" <laughs> yeah. Every every time the Cato Institute puts out like a revision of like the thresholds for like real politic threat assessment, like he wrote it. It's just like a ghostwriter name on it. Every yeah. time where it's like the, the 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 dangers of a rising East Asia is like a Henry Kissinger essay yeah. that like they just put like Thurb Nomsen's name on or whatever. Here's my point is that we as proper leftists should be celebrating the deaths of young conservatives <laughs> like under the age of 18. Oh, oh. yeah. Okay. No, that's true. That's true. I'm, I'm just trying to get something done here. OK, you guys no, that's- go cheer to the dinosaur like who got everything he wanted uh, and go and is going to like the Valhalla for bad people. Like, you know, they call, that's it, called hell, Griffin. That's what that's called. Valhalla for bad people is hell. But what if it's like a cool place for bad people like 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 not like oh it's like the opposite of valhalla which is bad it's like no it's bad people's valhalla oh like they get to have a great time but they're all bad yes <laughs> oh, it's, no, bad, the, it's bad people's valhalla i think, I think the, actually the that's pay to play section of hell <laughs> yes yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the very important. Uh, all, all I'm penitent. saying is, you guys keep doing that. I'm gonna be tweeting about like Republican hey, TikTokers. I think, I think the place you're describing <laughs> is just here. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like, uh, you're talking about Earth, <laughs> baby, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but let's let's talk more about games this year. So there was GameStop early, GameStop's early in the year. Oh, oh, we also we forgot to introduce the show. Hey, welcome to Game Boys. <laughs> it's it's minute twenty five and a half. I'm Griffin, and I'm joined by it's me Lux, and this is a podcast about video games featuring the two of us, our guest Forrest, and our super producer Haley. I love producers. She's the best. That's what the best you, in the biz. That's what the movie's about. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the producers is about it's about Haley uh, having to deal with our podcast. <laughs> yeah, and she's always in a suit. Um, yeah. So uh, what else? Let's let's talk about more stuff this year. And I'm trying to kind of lightly lightly weave us through things chronologically here. Um, I mean, I know that Cyberpunk came out in 2020. But it was very much the conversation for the beginning of 2021 as well, um, with most of the ports being delayed and and most people determining that they'll never play the game, um, along with like a lot of business fallout for the company. Cyberpunk like had to pay investors like a bunch of money for releasing like a really broken game. Oops. Um, Oops. <laughs> this one's a good. This one's a good two for two for one kind of, in the sense that. Uh, it's very funny that a business ate shit and did a bad job. That's always funny. Right. Um, and it sucks that they crunched workers and it's good that they crunched workers and then suffered for their hubris instead of just and, like playing the game more. And very importantly, contextually, which often gets lost in all of this because the game was so distractingly broken, is that before they released the game, about a year before, the cyberpunk CEOs went on a giant PR campaign about how they don't crunch and how their work office is based, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is which is truly a bizarre take like when you're when like i imagine the game wasn't even a quarter finished and they were like nine months from release (laughs) and they're like yeah we're never gonna crunch it's it's truly incredible (laughs) contextually so it's good for them to eat shit in that respect and then it has the interesting twist of 
they came up with and put out a pretty cool idea for a game. And the game has ended up through updates and stuff actually being kind of cool. Um, it's politics were never going to be as good as it wanted them to be in many different ways, but it's still, a, it's become like a kind of cool thing that it exists, that exists. Yeah. And that we have I mean, it's like constantly being worked on game to like watch. And my take was the game was pretty much there. If you could it just get through the glitches and then just depending on what copy you had, sometimes the glitches were just too frustrating for you personally, but like the majority of the game was there for me when I played it. Um, the side quests were there. The fuck it. I could turn my arm into a mantis robot. Like I, I it was all there. A really right. good game was there. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but like a game where you can have giant jumpy legs and dual wield katanas yeah. is cool. That's that's the sort of thing that adventure games and, and like that's not just the only choice. Or- that's like one class out of like a bunch. It's not it's not just like, oh, this is a game where everyone is this robot spider lady. It's like, no, 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 no. That's just like one way to play the game. And, and it's incredible. So, so you're saying I should um, pick this game up and play it because it's basically cyborg justice. It, yeah. Yes. It can be if you want it to be. It can be. Or it could be cyborg injustice. That's, <laughs> that's oh. sort of one of the best things about the game is that like you can really approach it however you want. Like like cyberpunk, it's important to flag like is like an exact example of sort of like commodified dissent shit where it's like a bunch of people being like, we hate these big corporations. Um in this very like kind of tacky, fake, fake rebellious way. And it has some like weird gender politics, stuff like that, that like it's important to flag and think about and like be aware of. But like as far as just like a game where you get to run around a town full of weirdos and be a big freak, like it's at this point hard to argue that it doesn't extremely successfully accomplish that. Yeah. And I'd also argue that it's really hard when you're making a game of this scale and size for like it to ever feel like every single quest has the same politics. Like this is a team of a large amount of people and like they're showing you a a complex world. And I feel like because the amount of uh, options that you can take in the game and routes that the story can take, I I, I, I didn't really feel boxed into a political narrative. Uh, I I feel like the game, I feel like, I felt like they had a politics. I just felt like they were kind of like it's like you're right that like your individual journey doesn't necessarily have a political narrative to it or that individual quests don't necessarily. But the game itself seems to have a very clear like politics and worldview of what the world kind of is and does and who does what. That's kind of silly and, and sort of like I said, like sort of that kind of commodified dissent shit. But again, like who cares? Right. I think that's the, the important thing is that like it's not like there's there's not you're never going to find a game that is totally liberated from like political context anyway. And so even if it's a corporate creation, a game that explains that corporations are bad and taking advantage of people like it's not that's not like a terrible thing. It's not as bad as like a Call of Duty game being like, you know, who was the best? Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's yeah. like a much worse thing. Actually, I think it's important to flag that a game that like has these like we think corporations are bad things. It's also like kind of silly, but it's still super effective as a game. I think it's like uh, I mean, I think corporations also use Twitter. And so like pretty much anyone can like use the the popular words of the revolutionary and their like corporate product now. Oh, yeah. um, but like, I, I don't know. It's just like. 
that's just not even anywhere close to a deal breaker for me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, a really good game that I felt like was just once people tasted a little bit of blood in the water, they went all in on it. They, they, they decided this was the worst game ever made that they like were lied to a lot in trailers. Um, and, and I don't know, my experience was just so different. My experience was, uh, becoming really attached to these characters, these voice actors, uh, being really fascinated in these side quests and just sort of the glee and fun of like experiencing that world. And honestly, my biggest complaint is, is that, you know, I wish I had another 60 hours of it. It was a really, (laughs) really fun city and I wish there was more. Um, so yeah, that was cyberpunk. And you know what, maybe it's going to have a really big year in 2022 PC ports out PSI PS5 port will be coming out soon. <clears throat> I feel like we just got a preview for why you're in, you enjoy another game that we'll talk about later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, then, you know, moving on, that uh, that was kind of like cyberpunk. You know, we had a few games come out. Hitman 3 came out. Uh, did anyone here play that? That was fun. I've never hit a single I feel like that's man. a game worth it's a game worth mentioning because people love it, but it also like despite the stellar reviews and everything to me it's it really feels like like a $20 game masquerading as a $60 game Um, and and the reason I say that is it's just incredibly thin and small to the point where it's like every time one of these games comes out all the streamers play it and then it's like over in two days because there just isn't that much there not enough for me to get excited about at the same level of a release of like a cyberpunk or a real game with meat on its bones yeah, we love thick yeah, games I mean, here. Yeah, I mean, three is just like a, a Rube Goldberg generator. Right, exactly. <laughs> like you create these like little weird ways that someone can get killed, and that's really fun. Mm-hmm. But like, is that a whole game? Right. You yeah. decide. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Now I'm getting some, some sort of flashbacks as we're entering sort of the March, April area, because this was like a time period where everything had been postponed, mm-hmm. right? Everything had been postponed a long time, but it was really up to these random indie releases to sort of like capture people's hearts and minds. And that's exactly what happened with Valheim. Valheim really blew up this year. It was Valheim and it was also Rust. Um, but these more like survival type, like shared server games really became popular this year. And I think it's a mixture of a it's a time for a small game to to make a big splash because they're worth another big games. But also we were just desperate to play games with our friends online. You know, we were still quarantining. You know, we were still trying to find games that weren't just Call of Duty to play together. Uh, and the answer was like these games like Valheim and Rust. Did you guys get into those? <laughs> So uh, I watched our friends play Rust, but I thought you were yeah. more involved in the Rust community than I was, right, Forrest? <laughs> uh, I am, I, th- I guess, closer friends to the people in the Rust community, maybe, if anything. I didn't, I didn't ever play Rust. Uh, it's not really my bag. Like, it's, it seems like sort of interesting, but it's, I don't like survival games, and I also don't like, like, Rust actually, the friends we had were playing it more as, like, kind of a group survival game and not as, like, a kind of a Battle Royale-ish game. Which I like it did different servers do different things with that game, but I'm not really into like any of those things, so I never really played it at all. It's just not the kind of game I get into. I will say it did tear apart the Trim Room Discord. It was I mean, Rust was a disaster. I'll <laughs> say that right now. I, I don't think I've ever 
experienced. I've never seen your Discord angry. angry. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, I just don't think friendships were ruined. Uh, and it really did tear apart my Discord. Um, I it mean, was for people, fuck it, wait, it wow. was fucking crazy. Discord, it was Discord. wild. Damn, you hate to it see it. It was insane. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, stir too much up, but I will, I will stir everything up. Uh, you know, it's a game where you have to survive, and other people can kill and steal each other's stuff. Um, and people got really upset when it happened to them. Like, like more upset than I'd ever seen anyone play in a video game. And because I started the server and was paying for the hosting and got it all set up, all of a sudden it was all my fault. <laughs> oh, no. And, and I had like 20 people in my DMs with all their own different problems and issues <laughs> with how not only how the server was running, but how they were being treated by their players. Um and there was it was really disruptive it really it really destroyed the community for a little bit yeah we should we should move on because we got a lot more year to cover but I, if i remember correctly the big specific was that one player was playing it very like i'm very good at shooting and killing and i will snipe you and steal your stuff yeah everyone else was kind oh. of like everyone else was kind of like goofing around and they kept being like griffin you have to stop this man he's on a rampage and griffin was like well i mean like he's just playing the game kind of <laughs> like you kind of just have to deal with it and they were like no and then eventually griffin was like you got to chill out and that guy was like no and it became yeah. a huge man. thing a real kobe in <laughs> yes. the park situation <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, one guy was really sweaty and been playing for years and just showed up <laughs> and ruined ev everyone's time, which is like, I guess the whole point of the game is to like the only status, pretty the funny. satisfaction you get from the game is, I guess, ruining other people's time. <laughs> that's that's a like, feature for a lot of games. time from other people. <laughs> it's just fascinating. Um, so, yeah, so that was Rust. Um, uh, you know, a lot of other shit got released. Um uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. They, they, they announced that Anthem, they gave up on it. They're like, yeah, that game, <laughs> the future of gaming, that's over. <laughs> they, were, they were like, sorry, Damon. It's too bad. That game could have been good, but it wasn't. So RIP, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, rip to that game. I mean, I feel like the middle part of this year was pretty straightforward. Some games came out. They were okay. Yeah. I mean, we had Resident Evil Village. I mean, is that, is that mid, was that summer or was that fall? That was June. June. Okay. Wow. Right in the middle. Wow. That um, was June. Holy fuck. Yeah. I believe so. Might have been May then. Nah, that's crazy. Yeah. So Resident Evil Village, I think, was one of the biggest releases of the year. It was definitely a time where games, again, were like, felt like they'd become really part of like the monoculture like like uh, not just like gaming was a side entertainment thing for certain people but that like everyone knew who this big titty lady was like non-gamers hey, hey, let's not sell her short she's big everything yeah, she's big everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> big um, bigger than Shaq the the big lady uh, she yeah bigger than Shaq modeled after Shaq too um, <laughs> trained with Shaq so she's like just missing free throws yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so and and you know what village a lot of people it, village surprisingly to me was people's most finished game of 2021 like the majority of people went through the entire game um and you know my big complaint as i said on multiple times the podcast was is the best part of the game is over in the first two or three hours and then everything after that is just kind of like worse and worse right but here's why it was the most finished game i'll tell you why 
Mm-hmm. It's because you cannot play the first two or three hours and then and then get to the stuff that's not as good and be like, eh, it's just going to be bad for the rest of the time. Like, the, yeah, it, it sets the bar really high and has all these like J.J. Abrams mystery box things going on that makes mm-hmm. you want to play through to the end. And then you get to the end and you go, oh, come on. What? Yeah. <laughs> really? Also, Resident Evils are like comparatively short, so it's not too bad of an imposition as to finish yeah. them off. Mm-hmm. That is also true. But I mean, mm-hmm. even just watching, because you've been doing the playing some of the remasters for us, and I've been watching you play those, and like, they're so much better. <laughs> yeah, two and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, two and three are, yeah. Two and three are like the height of the franchise, though, I think. Well, oh, that and seven. They have this nice run, mm-hmm. seven, two, and three, and then, yeah, we're still going. Yeah. Well, there is, there is Village. You know, if you enjoyed the game, I'm happy for you. But I really do think in a, in a in a year with more releases, Village would have like not held the emotional weight it did. Another 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 game that really benefited from sort of the drought around it. Um, but, you know, outside of games for a second, there was a very, very big announcement mid year. And that, of course, was. Is, is the it called the, the Steam Box? <laughs> oh yeah, no, the, what Steam, is the Steam Deck. Steam Deck, yes. Um, basically, a Nintendo Switch for Steam games, um, which was a very tantalizing thought, but one that did not come to fruition this year. Uh, if you were to go to Steam and look up to buy a Steam Deck, it'll tell you that availability is predicted for quarter two of twenty twenty two. Hmm. So. If you want one, like, say, I do, <laughs> uh, you're going to be waiting for a while. Damn. It's too bad there aren't more microprocessors. Yeah. We got to get more rare earths. This is this is definitely the year, the year where, I, in the back of my mind, I'm going, is gaming for humans a finite activity? Because, like, what happens when there's no more earth minerals? Like, I don't want to be like in my 60s and to be like oh i really can't play any video games because all the minerals are gone if rare earths become so rare that that's the the thing you will have much bigger problems <laughs> than that's true. you can't play your fucking switch or whatever and you'll be like i wish i had a ps8 to play and then your commander will be like get back in the fields and shoot those miners <laughs> retreat yeah. is punishable by death yeah uh, I, w- I wish i could use this haptic feedback and it's like you got you don't take your finger off that trigger for one goddamn second cadet like <laughs> Yeah, it'll be like, I wish I could power my computer and then nearby someone will be like, I wish I could turn on any lights for a six mile radius. Yeah. Uh, OK, well, I guess the future is bright then. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, that was the Steam Deck. Uh, you know, we had some other releases, some boring shit. Um, but I guess this is like, you know, uh, no time like the present to talk about blizzard this was a big year for blizzard (laughs) um they released their most popular expansion of all time shadowlands and everyone loved it and they are back baby actually no shadowlands was fun for a couple days and then everyone realized that it is just broken and garbage and then for every week since we've had a blizzard (laughs) blizz watch (laughs) yeah Uh, we had blizz like the 
to, to like like part of the curtain for a second. The reason Griffin and I add and drop segments the way we do is basically because either we forget to do them, which does happen sometimes, or we just get bored of them because the whatever we're basing them on just doesn't recur like regularly enough for us to like be able to keep it spicy every week. We've legitimately got like three months of Blizz Watch drops like every yeah. for like every week. Like it was wild. Um, and they just didn't stop. I mean, they just really didn't. I mean, from like Bobby Kodak writing his own sexual harassment letter and then like and then like blasting it and saying that the, his own letter sucked before it being revealed that he wrote it uh, to like people stealing like breast milk from fridges and like everything in between. It's um, it has been an onslaught from this company and just generally proof that. You know, there's like only like three or four companies that own all these games now, and there really isn't much you can do about it or even much the state will do about it. I did a Google search for what the fuck is wrong with Bobby Kotick, and it's a pretty good Google search results. Just everything you want to know about Blizzwatch is popping up. Oh, yeah, he, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a, he looks like if like uh, like in if like Gremlins 2, you know how they all start to take on human appearances like <laughs> he, he, he kind of looks like that. Like if there's like a ginger gremlin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fam looks like yeah, a monster. That's pretty true. Yeah. He fucking getting yelled at by like right wing like boards because they're like, I fucking hate these fucking this guy. He sucks. I don't care if it's like a lib cause to think sexual harassment is bad. We hate this guy. Like so funny. Um, And just like, yeah, what a an unending just barrage of of stuff. The upshot to this, though, is that. Uh, Blizzard and Ubisoft and other companies have actually started to see like labor mobilization amongst their staff, and that's like a, an interesting plot twist going into 2022. Yeah, I mean, we've basically seen like massive strikes and walkouts from like all sorts of companies from Ubisoft, Activision, Blizzard. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see where all this stuff goes, but it is been it has been really, really shocking to see Bobby Kodak not even have to resign or do anything like he just he gets to still stay there. So it, it's pretty crazy. Um, and then also. It's this weird time where it's like, you know, the games Blizzard's making right now aren't very good. So it's very easy for everyone to say, fuck Blizzard. But like, what if Overwatch 2 was really good? Like, what if Shadowlands had been really good? Like, would there be all this goodwill? Um, we'll have to see. 2022 might, might might have some of those answers for us. They, they sure picked a bad time to shit the bed, though, didn't they? they? Yes, they did. Because, oh boy, was there another MMO waiting in the wings for just this moment. I, of course, am talking about uh, Genshin Impact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about Final Fantasy XIV and Walker, baby, and just Final Fantasy XIV in general. I will say this before speaking of Genshin Impact, I did a brief little survey to see what like to see sort of merch wise what Final Fantasy stuff was out there. And checking out the the two like nerd anime stores in my neighborhood, a lot more Genshin Impact merch than FF14 merch. 
in the in the weeb zone. I can see it. I think Genshin Impact is more popular. It's also way more anime. Yeah. In its look, for sure. I don't know if in its scale, in its it, there's certain elements of FF14 that are well, pretty unimpeachably peak. I, anime. I'll say Final Fantasy 14 is like really core anime. It's really deeply anime, but Genshin Impact is like really aggressively trying to be anime. Yeah, it's much more ostensibly anime for sure. Mm-hmm. It yeah, wants to I feel be like anime. They, I feel. I feel like the. I feel like their characters in Final Fantasy. I feel like in Genshin Impact, they're like weird like dildos they're, 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 they're just objects they're not yeah. even people yeah they're gotcha prizes you know, their wall scroll their wall scrolls come to life for mm-hmm. sure yeah they're just they're they're anime pillows um <laughs> so you know uh final fantasy really did uh touch my life this year uh a lot of people who had been playing wow their whole lives like me um all had a very very similar experience of being tired of the game and checking out Final Fantasy 14, um, a game that probably has some of the, just the worst advertising of all time or something like like a game this good was just hiding since 2013. Hey, um, and and so few people knew about it. All right. um, I, I have a little bit of pushback on this, which is that I've been playing this game I played this game in the beta in 2010 when it sucked ass. First off, the game was right. very, very bad initially. Uh, it came back in 2013 and was immediately like better than the other things going on. Um, it it jumped up to like pretty high in the uh, in the MMO popularity contest. The thing though is that like WoW had so many more people than every other MMO that like even second place was just like a distant blip on the horizon uh also we were trying to tell you <laughs> we've been trying to tell everyone the whole time but nobody was listening because as you say they they definitely don't do advertising in the same way that american companies do like well also i think in that vein like oh every, i've seen a lot of the ff14 ads courtesy of, of both of you um and the ads are very cool but they're very like this is Final Fantasy. We're doing Final Fantasy. Come look how Final Fantasy this is. How Final Fantasy is it? Maximum. 100% always. And I think to a lot of people who aren't Final Fantasy people, that's not an alluring thing. Um, Because it's not like a broad appeal to like your general sense of adventure or whatever. It's a very specific type of appeal to a very specific type of adventure. Um. And the thing is, the secret's out now. Final Fantasy shit fucking rules. It, the aesthetic is dope. It's so fun. It's so I didn't play Final Fantasy 14 because I don't play multiplayer games, but like it it they were they were appealing, they were appealing to an aesthetic that not everyone was into. And then a bunch of people were like, I'm done with WoW, let me check out this aesthetic. Oh, it turns out actually I am insanely into it. Me and everyone else who's it, ever touched it, plus the game is great. Yeah, I think there's just like a different level of saturation of Final Fantasy as a brand in Japan than in everywhere else. Like in yeah. Japan, you can just be like, it's Final Fantasy. And people are like, yes, we all know what that means. Yeah. But it's just not the same over here. People are like, I guess I played Final Fantasy VII when I was eight or whatever. <laughs> Right. Like I can think of a few World of Warcraft ads back in the day that tried to explain that it's like you and and other people in front of your computers and stuff like that. Or like I remember there was like the Leroy Jenkins video was a huge advertisement for like what wow was. Uh, But like Final Fantasy never really had that like Leroy Jenkins viral video or that like clear thing about what it was. But you know what? To me. 
it's really hard to describe how good this game is because it's really the it being multiplayer and it being an MMO are really secondary to the primary value of the game, in my opinion, which is it's storytelling. I, this is the greatest Final Fantasy story I ever told. Um, and it's the writing and the characters and you wanting to see what happens next in the MSQ um, that makes this game truly special. I mean, there is cool stuff with the abilities. There's cool stuff about the way the world looks and the things you can collect. Um, but, you know, I've played snappier combat and other types of games before. Um, it, for me, it was really just getting wrapped up in this world and in all the familiarity tropes of a Final Fantasy universe, but just told with more heart, more character motivation, and, and then just ultimately just more just, yeah, more passion. Like the end of Endwalker is is just so incredible. I'm not going to spoil any of it here, but I really feel like I just went on a like an eight year journey uh, Wait, with this we, cast of characters. Do we want to throw up a quick spoilers tag because all three of us have seen the ending? <laughs> yeah, I did stream it to Lux as I beat it, uh, <laughs> which was pr which was pretty fun. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I'm willing to talk just pretty general generally. I, I don't really think that like in this hour long episode we need to yeah. just all of a sudden do spoilers. Uh, it, I mean, I'll, what I'll say is this: is that they, unlike a lot of MMOs, which this is something uh, Final Fantasy Eleven, which was in some ways the precursor to Final Fantasy XIV, the other online MMO in the Final Fantasy series. One through line is that, which there are a lot actually, but one of them is that it also wanted to tell like a big contiguous story with ongoing characters, which is something that other MMOs weren't really doing then and kind of didn't really do since then. I don't know what WoW is like now. I haven't played WoW in like 10 years probably. But uh, what fourteen really has going for it is that it just it uses that long form to really just dig the hell in like they are totally unashamed to just be like yeah look this expansion you're going to six zones and you're going to spend three hours in each zone each zone is its own little movie and we're going to pay everything off they really take their time uh they really work to like bring everything together and that's like a luxury you have in this sort of storytelling that almost yes. nothing else has like it's like watching <laughs> right. 10 seasons of a tv show or something and they use exactly like, so yeah. you're way more attached yeah way more attached than like if you played like yeah like one Final Fantasy single story like yeah yeah, it's so much more content I, um, yeah I mean and yesterday we were talking about how it's like making the best argument for Marvel like FF14's ending makes like the best argument for Marvel as like an approach because it just sort of like shows that like you if you just get a bunch of like if you get people invested in a bunch of characters and then let them every character have like their big important moment that you've like been waiting for it'll just pop the audience always every time yeah. and the thing they do right i feel like is that the big important moments for characters are like always they're always based in emotional import and drama of their choices and not as much in uh as we've seen a lot of marvel stuff like oftentimes punching is substituted in for like like emotional wow and the the actual mm -hmm. spectacle people pop for is emotional relevance and not like man that was a pretty good punch what a powerful crash that was and so much of uh, of that is because of the villains the villains in find the final fantasy 14 are always doing it for very specific reasons whether they you know have been hurt or they don't see the point in going on or they find that life is just all suffering and there's no meaning in it there's always 
this character need that like motivates the villain that reinforces the theme of the game or the theme of the expansion. And and I think that's what's missing from a lot of uh, a lot of Marvel stuff is, is that it's like like we don't even really know like why Thanos does what he does. He's just pretty random. He's just like, yeah, 50 percent <laughs> sounds about right. Like and it's just like, oh, I guess I I'm crazy. That's why. And, and it's just like that's just not as motivating um, well, yeah, for audiences. <laughs> and, and it really does focus then the heroes and what their character um, conflicts are. And so I think when you have strong villains that then oftentimes are given a chance at redemption even, which happens with most of the villains yeah, in, the, in the games. Um, you know, I think that kind of storytelling is what takes things up way higher than a Marvel. Yeah, and it's it's also, yeah, they, they approach things in a very coordinated writer, Surumi type way. They're willing to be cheesy in a way that I think is very successful. Like in the final, the final zone in Endwalker, there's like this thing where the music is building up as you go through different sections of it and more parts of the music are coming in until eventually it's just like there's a guy singing in the music. Like the music for the zone yeah. has lyrics and there's a guy singing like a heartfelt like, yeah. like tune there. And it's so goofy and cheesy, but it, it hit for me very hard because they're just like so unashamed of what they're doing. They're like, yeah, we're going to have this music here and we're going to like do this stuff. It's earnest. Yeah, it's so earnest. It's so insanely earnest that it's hard well, it's not like, to get excited about it. Yes. It's, it goes to this thing and this is like a much longer conversation because this thing that I've, I've, I've mentioned before that I think about a lot, which is that like at some point, and I don't know when probably the early two thousands, the idea of suspension of disbelief got like reversed in the sense that like, <laughs> Suspension of disbelief by its definition as like a concept was always supposed to be like you go into a piece of fiction with suspension of disbelief turned on that you're like willing to accept the yeah. premise of the thing. You don't need to be convinced this is real. You're assuming it's real in advance. The only times that you, that fails is not when something not realistic happens, but when the movie yeah. or the show or whatever is like, here's the rules and it breaks the rules. You know, it takes you out of it. But now yeah. for some reason that I don't understand, it's become this thing where like movies have to convince you that they're real, even though they're obviously fake and they're movies. And what that leads to is stuff in Marvel movies where like weird stuff happens and people are like, well, that just happened as though to be like, we all know it's not real, but come on, we're all having fun here. Um, and stuff like Final Fantasy does has no time for that shit. It is just like, no, this is real. Like you just accept the premise that we're operating on. And we're going to do it. And so it's all pure emotion and purely occupying the space in a way that is just like so like I have not played most of these games and I was riveted by the last couple hours of of Ed Walker just watching it on Griffin stream. Yeah, this is this is a universe where like there's one of the biggest emotional moments toward the end of the game, uh, which I'm not going to say what it is, but like <clears throat> it's such a it's such a like a juke on what would happen in anything else. Right. Like the part right before the final dungeon. And there's this huge emotional reveal that is like it's not action. It's not like conflict. It's just like the pulling back up and centering of raw emotion, which I think is so fun. Like, it's so fun that they're just willing to do this thing that like no one else would dare to do, really. And also no American company, I feel like, would dare to do. It's it. Let me (laughs) let me push back on no one else would dare to do it, because this is. You guys are describing your sort of big 2021 gaming adventure, but also I had a 2021 gaming adventure courtesy Helped Long by Forest, which was 
playing all of Falcom's Trails ga- Legend of Hero Trails games that are in English. So I'm missing one. Um, but I played through all of them. And in a way that is very similar to the end of Endwalker, the end of Trails of Cold Steel 4 is basically all your favorites from all of the games show up and they're like, here's my emotions and I'm so ready to not get killed by the big problem. Remember how I'm your friend and me too. And these games also like like FF14 have like dozens of characters you give a shit about all of whom pop up at the end to be like, don't forget about me. Don't you want to make sure that my soup store isn't destroyed by the apocalypse or whatever? We all (laughs) love soup. Um, (laughs) And it's the same thing where there's no irony to it. It is just purely like these are the characters that you've been like fighting this whole game to protect and to care about. Now you're at the end. Here's a reminder of how much you care about all of them. Go fight the big boss. Um, the potential of anime. And, like, yeah. and, it, and it, it's like it's effective. Like I was it's dumb, but I was very moved by these like pretty generic JRPG characters showing up and just being like. I hope I don't get killed in this war. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's like an affecting thing. And I think it, it, there's something notable to this sort of like the huge scale of story and narrative and world building paying off in these like really unironic, like intensely emotional payoffs. Yeah. Uh, that, that shit, you know, when you're all friends, it friendship hits different. Yeah. Yeah, you get your buy. I think friendship also hits different when you all have to stay home for two years. <laughs> that that's true too. But yeah, uh, it was uh, it's it's it was a really powerful experience uh, finishing that game, um, and I'm pretty sure it's probably my favorite JRPG of all time. Um, definitely something that I'll be sitting and marinating with for a long time, and it's also exciting to know that. There will be like a whole other decade more yeah. of this game, and you, and you, um, so. I'm sure you have a ton of side quest series to do too now. Oh, I have too much stuff to do, yeah. but I've been mainlining this game for like four months, and I really need to like <laughs> play something yeah. else for a little bit. Uh, um, oh, trails of cold steel. Do y'all want some very <laughs> funny Final Fantasy news? Sure. Yes. All right. So you might recall a while ago that there was a cross promotion with Grubhub to get the pizza emote where you eat pizza, which I did. Which I did as well. I can eat pizza now. I I can as well. I want <laughs> not me. Now the thing about this is that if you made lots, if you made different accounts on Grubhub, you could just like buy a bunch of food and get a whole bunch of different like rede- redemption codes for this emote. Which means that you could just get extra ones, and then you could give or sell them to someone else, so they could have the eat pizza emote. How much do you think that on eBay right now? A lot. These are going for. Uh, They're kind of mostly in the 150 to 200 range. Some of them are up to like... That's still great. Like 250 or 300. Snipe show. Look at this econ genius over here. That's really good gas, Lux. Yeah. They're they're like averaging like a 175-ish. That is genius. (laughs) So... uh, I thought about it. I'll be honest. We talked about it. I thought about charging like Just like getting another code <laughs> like, like getting like seven or eight grubhub orders and then seeing if i could sell the emotes but then i was like no one that's stupid that's a dumb idea well it's the grift oh. economy and everyone's stupid 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could have got. I could have made enough money to get a get, to, to put in a pre-order on a damn Steam Deck. That is where we're at, right? Where we'll be bartering over Fortnite skins in the wastelands. <laughs> um, that, that's what I'm looking forward to, anyways. Um, but yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a year. I wouldn't say it's been a great year, but I guess to round out this episode and to round out this year. I would like us to go around and give their game of the year and then one honorable mention. Um, you know, it could be stuff that we've mentioned throughout here or it can be something that we haven't even talked about yet because we kind of did bounce around to big subjects. Um, but you know what, Forrest? You're a guest. Why don't you start us off? I mean, to me, game of the year, I think, has to it. It just has to go to Endwalker because it just came in at the end. It's like stole it stole the finally usurped the throne from the king of the MMOs. Uh, yeah, it also came at the end of the year. The timing was really good. Uh, it's an emotional conclusion. It's got in the news constantly. Uh, expensive pizza. Everything about it is just they ha- they were at the right place at the right time. Uh, and I've been having a lot of fun with that game for like the past, like probably three months at this point, you know, cause I, I tend to get back on before the expansions drop. So, uh, yeah, that's what I've sunk the most time into this year, which I think is a pretty big vouchsafe for what I think is, has been the most fun for me. Nice. And any, uh, any honorable mentions and any secondary game that came close? Dang, I'm trying to think of what he see. The biggest problem for me is that like. I oftentimes don't end up playing games the year they come out because For sure. I'm just like busy playing other stuff. Well, it can be something that was special yeah. to you then if it's not something that's been released this year. Yeah, I think I'll uh, my, my mention for for best game of my year or for our mention for best game of my year was I played so much BattleTech, so much BattleTech because it was on sale. That is one of the best tactics games I've ever played. Uh, much as big Civ Six energy of like you can just turn it on and play it for whatever amount of time you have free while not having to devote 100% of your brain to it because it is turn-based. So, uh, yeah, just like an excellent place for nervous energy to go and also a place I've lived in while being on Zoom meetings a lot of times. Very nice. I hope you're playing right now. <laughs> uh, you know, it looks kind of like Gundam. I wish it looked yeah. kind of like Gundam. They, my only problem it with should, Battletech is that I think... It should the, look more like Gundam. Yeah, I think the robots are ugly as hell. I hate the way the robots look. I don't like that about it. It's the only part about it I don't look. If they looked like like Front Mission or something, I think it'd be way cooler. But, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of particular about my giant robots. I say as I literally... These robots have no swag. <laughs> as, as I literally just played uh, Metal Wolf Chaos last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, Lux, how about you? Okay, so my game of the year, I think I got to give it to SMT5. Nice. That's a good um, one. I've enjoyed the shit out of it, as I think Forrest put it the best, which is that all the SMT games have really fun systems that are really cool and interesting to interact with. But SMT5, for the first time, encourages and makes it easy to use those systems. Um, and that's a real joy. Uh, you can, there's so many guys, the, the, the writing for the humans who talk is not that good, but the Mm -hmm. writing for the demons who talk is extremely good. Every demon has like a different distinct personality. Who's like fun to mess around with and weird. Um, it's been really fun to stream and it's just like been, it's a real joy. Every, (laughs) as much as like the stereotypical image of like a JRPG is the sort of like big long turn-based mega adventure there's not that many of those games that come out anymore um 
and I love them. They're my favorite type of game in the whole ass universe. And so when one does come out, it gets a big, it gets a big old pop for me. Um, my honorable mentions, uh, I definitely got a, got a shout out Tales of Arise. I thought Tales of Arise was so good. Um, I saw sort of the, the, one of the biggest reasons it's not game of the year is I just didn't finish it because SMT5 came out and I was like so horny for SMT5 that I put down Tales of Arise, but I got to get back to it because that was a really fun game with a big story and a big adventure attached to it that I, I love that. It's looking um, pretty, pretty, pretty good too. I bet they look good on PS5. Tales of Arise does look good on PS5. Um, can is confirm. Is this a $60 game? It wasn't a guy. I don't know what it is now. Um, but the other one that I will throw in here is uh, Dark Deity, the pixel art tactics RPG that's very anime-y that I was playing in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that game is like really does Fire Emblem correctly. It's a big time Fire Emblem ripoff, no doubt about it. Nice. But it does it really correctly and it's super fucking fun. Better than the Three Houses one? Um, I think if what you go to Fire Emblem for is tactics combat stuff, yes. Okay, because that's what was lacking to me in Final Emblem. Yeah. In, oh, if, if you're Emblem. doing Fire Emblem for like hard tactics battles, Dark Deity is what you want. If you're doing yeah. Fire Emblem for like bonding friends <laughs> moments, hanging out together, then like probably just stick to three for houses. Reading your friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The The gameplay really fell apart for me on the normal mode. And then I didn't like the story in Fire Emblem by the end. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Well, all right. All right. Well, take us home, Griff man. You know, I mean, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go with force in this one. I think it's very clear that Final Fantasy 14 and Walker, uh, is one of the greatest video games I've ever played, not just in this year, but in my entire life. Uh, every element of this game came together into something incredibly special, into something that I will say again on this podcast. This game is like if Kingdom Hearts made sense. <laughs> uh, and I, I just feels like it is built on the backs of all of these great JRPGs and animes that have come before it because every one of these elements uh, you know individually has been in a different game before but they are all coming together into this perfect package and to the, just this kind of perfect composition of all of it that brings it all to a new height that I've never experienced before in a Japanese RPG um but not just that but the story of Endwalker particularly was honestly one that really touched my heart and one that I really needed to hear right now. Um, the eventual theme of that game is just like that. Yeah. Life is full of suffering and despair and it's super fucking shitty, uh, but it's still meaningful uh, and it's still worth living because of your experiences and your friendships and the people you love along the way. Um, and I don't know, I, I that message really was really powerful. Um, And to feel like a giant work built up over like eight years to tell this like one singular truth. I don't know. It was just one of those moments where I was like, I am experiencing true art. So, yeah, Endwalker is definitely game of the year um, and yeah, greatest RPG I've ever played in my entire life. Um, honorable mentions. Uh, Bowser's furry, baby. I mean, the game was a furry joke and it turned out to be a game 
that really promised for me sort of like the future of what Nintendo might do or where Nintendo might go. Because this was truly like the first open world, like Mario game, like, like, like really open world, like, like in the new modern sense, not in like, oh, Super Mario 64, you go different places. Like, no, it's like it was this big map and you would just come up upon Mario puzzles in the environment. I mean, you jump off a cliff and an ocean animal picks you up. Like there was all these amazing, beautiful things. It, it was like that joy that I felt like when I played Odyssey, um, a game that was just bursting with joy, but it also had the promise of like, oh, this is where Nintendo might go with their properties in the future. Uh, very exciting, very fun. All right. Um, well, I really got to pee. So <laughs> I note. think this is a great time to end the episode. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening all year. Thank you, Haley, for being the best producer in the world. Thank you for all yes, our guests. Thank you, Haley. All of our guests who've hung out with us all year round. Thanks, Griffin, for doing this again for another year. Um, we're going to have to have a big celebration episode sometime soon. Um, and thanks everyone for listening. And also, oh. I should have said this at the beginning, but if you're one of the new listeners from the new Tane Salary Main charity stream who watched me play Jeopardy, welcome to the show. Uh, he just plugged the stream. He plugged the podcast a lot on the stream. So I figured some people might come check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you and if you found me uh, from the stream where I complained about the tactical use of the word cracker, uh, <laughs> welcome to the show as well. <laughs> good. Great. Good. Um, all right. So that's going to do it for us this week. Forrest, where can people find anything that you want them to find? Uh, so the main thing is that you should follow me and Lux on Twitch at Pixel Goblins. This spelled like Pixel Goblins, uh, where we are streaming on Wednesdays, uh, SMT5. We've had it's been a weird couple of weeks because of COVID holidays and stuff, but we're getting back to this next week. Uh, on weekends, I stream Final Fantasy and I feel like I want to pick up string wars fun. Anyway, yeah, just we're, you can find us there. Uh, that's the main way to get hold of us. If you want to talk to me personally, hey, you can hit me up at, at do nots on Twitter. D-U-N-O-T-S. You can yell at me about basketball, whatever. I don't care. Yeah, hopefully we'll figure out a way to integrate some some EDF streaming. I think that's maybe the next phase for us. Well, gamers and audience, I want to thank you guys for sticking through us, for always showing up, even when we don't show up. Uh, and, you know, uh, b- big moves next year. And by big, big moves, moves, I mean the podcast will get worse <laughs> and lazier. Year after year promise. Um. Yeah, big moves, big mood. That's going to do it for us here, though. Uh, so if you want to find Griffin, you can find him on Twitter and TikTok at Griffin P. Davis. You can find uh, him on Twitch streaming at twitch.tv slash room. If you want to find Haley, who's the most worth finding out of all of us, you can find her on Instagram and YouTube at Eat Every Sound. And if you want to find me, like Forrest said, you can find us at twitch.tv slash pixelgoblins or find me on Twitter at tailboy. That's T-A-I-L underscore B-O-I. Thank you everyone so much for listening and we will see you guys in 2022. Goodbye. New variant. New variant. Let's go. (laughs)